Lord willing, the first week of December, we'll be launching two services and looking forward to that. What's driving us to do that is we have, we've gotten word from, from the Berkeley County Board of Education that uh, the time for us here at Spring Mills Middle School is coming to an end. And so we are transitioning away from Spring Mills Middle School. And so we want to take and make the most of this opportunity while we have it. It's a, I mean, it's been a great adventure here for 10 years. I look around. Some of you have been here for, for almost all of that time. Some of you have just been here for a couple weeks but I'm glad you are here, and while we're here, we need to take and make the most of this opportunity. And so, looking forward to, in just a couple, about a month or so, uh, the first week of December, we'll have a service in the morning at 8.45, we'll have a service at 11 o'clock, and we'll focus hour in between. And I want to challenge you this morning. I want to challenge you with becoming part of the team that makes this possible. We're going to be adding to our ministries. We need more people to work with our children, more people with our adults, worship ministries, set up, tear down, all that stuff. Join with us. Be part of that team. Just this week, I was, I was at the gym working out, and um, this guy, uh, he, he's over on the treadmill, and I see him, and I think, he looks like an older version of a friend of mine. And he looked at me, and I could tell he's looking at me like, you look like an older version of a friend of mine. And we met there and, um, in the middle of the gym, and I hadn't seen him for probably 15 years. My first, uh, my first instinct was, wow, you've gotten old. And then I looked in the mirror, and I thought, no, we've both gotten old. And he said to me, you're getting kind of gray up there, aren't you, Lowell? I said, yeah, yeah, it's happening. It's happening. This is a man that had a significant impact in my life. So back in the early 90s. For those of you who are familiar with this term, he was the first person that unveiled for me the truth of John 15 abiding. He was the first. And we reminisced a little bit about the past and, and about how God had worked in our lives and the Lord kind of you know, took us in different directions and, and he said something that, that relates to what I want to talk about today. He said this, he said, you know, that team that we had 20, 25 years ago, he said, it was something unique, wasn't it? It was really something unique. You see, we had served together in ministry. I was a teacher. He was an engineer. We worked together in, in ministry and in, in teaching junior hires about Jesus, clear back in the early 90s. And you know something? It was a sweet time. It was. So he and my wife and I stood there and kind of, you know, just, just shared some memories. Remember that time? Remember when we did this? He says to me, Laura, remember when that dog chased you and you jumped on top of that roof and you were screaming? I'm like, yeah, I do remember that actually. His name was Bear and it was a scary dog. We just laughed together. You know something, this, this won't come as a surprise to most of you. I've never was much of an athlete, okay? That wasn't my thing. Wasn't a, wasn't a great football player, basketball player, anything like that. Never hardly heard of soccer until I actually moved to Martinsburg. Sorry, Pastor Billy. Um, so I was never able to be part of, like a, of a team that was involved in a sport. Never really was something I experienced. But God has allowed me to be part of many ministry teams. Whether they be vocational or not. Whether they be a team of pastors 
Remember the day, Brent? Four of us in that little hallway, serving the Lord together. Sweet times, sweet times. Sometimes they were relationships like that. Sometimes they were like some of you that were with us when we started this thing 10 years ago. Remember that? Sweet times of leaning on the Lord. And it's still happening today. Listen, God is calling us to be part of what he's doing and to not do it alone. To not do it alone. You are too weak and too broken to function alone. Sorry to tell you that truth, but it's a reality. You and me, we are too weak and too broken to function alone. I'm so thankful for the team that God has raised up here at Centerpoint. And, I, and I'd like to stay here and just say every one of your names. Because you're special people. But I'd forget. I'd forget one or two and, and this will be hurt, so I'm not going to do that. Whether you're praying or you're serving the Lord or you're teaching or you're setting up or you're playing an instrument or, or whatever it is. Jesus is calling us to a team. And that's what I want us to see in Matthew chapter four today. In Matthew chapter four, Jesus here is going to begin to invite some people to his team. Join with me in chapter four, verse number 18. Just a few verses for today, but it's gonna take us longer than what I have to get through it, okay? But I'll wrap up around noon, I promise you. So verse number 18, let's read it. While walking by the Sea of Galilee... Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. In a similar way, he called them. Immediately, they left their boat and their father and followed him. Just five short verses. But in this passage we see Jesus call on our lives. We see what your purpose is. We see why God calls together churches and teams and and couples and families and why you are here on this planet. If you're wondering, why do I exist? What is my purpose? What does God want from me? It is here. And we need to see it together. Now, a couple things just to understand the context. Remember, as we said last week, um, between verse 11 and 12 of chapter 4, Matthew chapter 4, and between verses 11 and 12, about a year of time passes by. Matthew doesn't give us a a clear-cut, chronological walk through the life of Jesus. He jumps around thematically. And between verses 11 and 12, about a year goes by. And significant things happen in the life of Jesus during that time. He has this conversation with Nicodemus, John chapter 3, when he says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and so forth. He meets the Samaritan woman in John chapter 4, speaks to her about who he is. She responds and there's a revival in Samaria. And then Jesus goes 
to Galilee. I do want to say a brief word about that. As we, we talked last week, um, in the nation of Israel, in the land of Israel, south was where Jerusalem was. That's where the holy people lived. That's where the temple was. And if you wanted to be close to God, the same was you go south. But if you wanted to get rich, you go north. And so what happened is, is there's, there's almost two kind of areas, two environments, two communities in Israel. You have south that was, that was focused upon the temple and focused upon their, their legalistic system. And then you had north around the Sea of Galilee. These were the regular common people. It's called Galilee of the Gentiles because many of the people up there had abandoned God near the Sea of Galilee. And that's where Jesus went to get his disciples. 11 of the 12 came from the Galilean region. 11 of the 12. Only Judas, Judas Iscariot, the one who betrayed Jesus, only he was from the southern region. 11 of the 12 came from up north. Who were they? Oh, you could probably share some of their names, but let me tell you about them. They were the left behind folks. They weren't the star pupils. They, they, they weren't the, the top of the class. That's not who they were. When Jesus meets Peter here, he's a common laborer of the day. He's an older man. Don't look at him as a teenager. He's probably closer to my age. The system had passed him by. Oh, he might have had some wealth. But in that environment, currency wasn't so much money. Currency was your position in the religion of Judaism. And Peter and Andrew and James and John had been passed by. They hadn't made the cut. They weren't able to deliver. And Jesus walked into their life and he called to them. He called to them. I want to focus on that call, and, and I really want to challenge us today to be followers of Christ and to understand what that truly means. You know, it's kind of hip right now. It's on my Facebook page when it says your religion. I, my Facebook page says follower of Jesus, and that was kind of hip about five, six years ago. And a lot of us put that down, right? What's that really mean, though? What does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? I hope that we'll see that today. So verse number 18. While walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting that into the sea, for they were fishermen. So this is not fishing with a pole, okay? That's not what kind of fishing this is. They did fish in that way, in that day. It was possible, okay, to use a line and a hook. That's not the kind of fishing it was. They would also do what they call dragnet fishing, where they would just sort of drag a net along the ground and gather up fish. And, and that, they did that in that day, but that isn't the word that's used here. The word that's used here for the kind of fishing that, that Peter and Andrew and James and John were doing was more like a cast net. Have you ever seen this done? I spent a summer down in Biloxi, Mississippi, living with my sister whenever I was a teenager. And, and you would go out into the, the Gulf of Mexico, and you had this large uh, net, this, wet, this round net with, with, with weights all around the outside. And you would throw this net, and it would open up wide and land on the water, and then sink down, and you'd pull it in, and inside would be a bunch of fish. 
It was really a cool thing to do. That's the kind of fishing, that's the word that's used here for, for what they're doing. They're cast net fishing. They're blindly throwing a net into the water and hoping to catch a fish. And Jesus here says to them, follow me. And notice in verse number 20, immediately they left their nets and followed him. Now we need to clarify something that is in all of our minds, okay? Because I believe that most people, because of, of honestly an, an an inability to understand what's happening here, we we come to a wrong conclusion about this passage, and in so doing, we eliminate the burden for us to follow. Let me tell you what I mean. I think a lot of us look at verse number 20, when it says, immediately left their nets and followed him. We picture like a zombie activity. Let me paint a picture for what most people, I believe, think this means. Most people think that this means that Jesus is out there, maybe walking on the water, I don't know, he's doing something miraculous, and he walks up to these fishermen who are casting nets, and Jesus sort of like, you know, says, attention, with this loud Morgan Freeman voice, okay? And he says, come, follow me. And then, just like the movies depict it, Peter, Andrew, James, and John instantly drop their nets and go into robot mode, following Jesus, and off they go. That's, that's almost how we picture it. And so we think, well, I didn't have an experience like that. That's not how it worked for me. Jesus didn't come and knock me over. He didn't, he didn't come and say these words, and I drop everything and follow. So, so I guess maybe this doesn't apply to me. Listen, that is a misunderstanding of what is happening here, Okay? And, and I, want, I don't want to, I don't want to belabor this, but I, I want to show you something else here that might help you understand what's happening. Remember, the gospel of Matthew is not chronological. It's thematic. Okay. In Matthew chapter four, what Jesus says, come and follow me. That is not the first time that Peter, Andrew, James, and John had bumped into Jesus. The first time Peter, James, John, and Andrew bumped into Jesus was all the way back a year prior to this. A year prior to Matthew chapter 4 and John chapter 1, these four men and a few more bumped into Jesus. You can read about it in John chapter 1. And they recognize that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Messiah. And now for the next year, they're watching. They're observing. They're learning. And then Jesus comes into their life and says, come follow me. Listen, I don't know where you are with Jesus today. You might be all the way back here at bubble number one, okay? And you're just wrestling through, is this Jesus stuff for real? Is is he truly the Christ, the Christ, the one sent to bring forgiveness to sinners? I hope that you've made that decision. You might have already come to that understanding, and now you're kind of evaluating, what are you going to do with this Jesus stuff? See, I want to challenge us today to the second bubble. I want to challenge you in the second bubble. You respond to the call to be a fisher 
of men. It's not the last time that Jesus is going to invite these disciples to something. In Luke chapter 5, he comes to them again. And guess what they're doing? They're fishing. They're fishing. And Jesus says, you come be a full-time follower of me. You leave this business behind. Leave it behind. And come follow me. In Matthew chapter 10, he now calls them to something else. He says, you come be an apostle. And upon you, this, this will be, upon Christ, you will build the foundation of the church. Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 20. So don't misunderstand the call of Christ. Jesus wants to meet you where you're at today, okay? He wants to meet you where you're at. He's calling you to respond by faith. We cannot come to the Lord without faith. He's calling you now to respond by faith. Either faith, put your faith in Jesus. The faith to become a fisher of men. The faith to become a full-time follower. He's inviting you now to respond to him. So let's see it in action here in Matthew chapter 4. So he says to these guys who are fishing, and it is remarkable how many times Jesus uses fishing. He's just got a heart for fishermen. Actually, what it is is they lived in a fishing community. He doesn't have a heart for fishermen any more than he does accountants or anything else, okay? He just, they're around the sea. So he talks a lot about fishing. And he says to them, follow me. See it in verse number 19. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I'll make you fishers of men. Now, I got a friend who's a great fisherman, okay? I got a, I got a friend. He is, he's one of these guys. It's like he can catch fish out of a bathtub, you know? It's like he, just, he can just pull. I don't know what it is. And so I called him one time a couple years ago, and I said, listen, man, I, I want you to take me fishing because I want to see how you do it. I'm like, all right. So he's like, all right, okay, then we'll go. So we went fishing. Didn't catch a thing, okay? Nothing. I didn't catch any fish. Neither did he. And I said to him, I'm like, man, what, what's the deal? Like, how comes you catch fish and I don't? And now that I'm here, you still aren't catching them. What's, what's the deal? He said many things, and, and I actually interacted with him this morning about it because I wanted to clarify what he said. I even wrote it down because they are great lines. He said this. I have just as many strikeouts as you, Lo. I come out here just as often and catch nothing. But I keep coming back. He said, a guy like you, you come out one day and go fishing. You don't catch anything. You're like, man, I stink at this. I'm not going to fish anymore. He said, but I keep coming. He said, I just love to fish. And you do what you want to do. You can't catch them from the couch. I loved when he said that. You can't catch them from the couch. He said, I don't catch fish because I'm a good fisherman. I catch fish because I go fishing. I catch fish because I go fishing. Now, you know you're not here to learn about fishing. And Jesus wasn't calling them to be Fishermen. He was calling them to be fishers of men. What is that? What is this concept of being a fisher of men? We need to understand something. The video that we started with was trying to depict this. We're on this planet as saved followers of Christ to reach people. God saved you. 
Not so that you could be, you know, warm and happy and filled. That's not why God saved you. God saved you for his glory. And he's allowing you to remain on this planet for however long you're going to so that you can help other people to come to Christ. You are saved to be a fisher of men. And that culture, that was, the, that was the expression that Jesus used. We need to recognize what it means. You and I are, sa- are saved and here on this planet because we are called to share the gospel with people. That's it. That's the cold, hard fact. That's the one thing you can do better on this planet than you can do in heaven. Every other thing that you do in your life, you're going to be better at it in heaven. You're going to worship better in heaven. You're going to learn better in heaven. You're going to know more in heaven. You're going to memorize better scripture in heaven. Well, you're going to better memorize scripture in heaven, okay? There's there's everything that you could possibly do, you will do better in heaven, save one thing. Share the gospel with unbelievers, Time and time again, though, people do studies and they ask a simple question. Have you ever shared with somebody how they can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? And time and time again, the vast majority of Christians have never done that. I'm not trying to apply guilt unless it's legitimate. Jesus calls for us to be fishers of men. The best person to fish for fishermen is a fisherman. The best person, let's use the right words, to share Christ with a fisherman is a fisherman. The best person to share Christ with a teacher is a teacher. With an athlete, is an athlete. With a carpenter, is a carpenter. With a factory worker, is a factory worker. With a lawyer, is a lawyer. With a doctor, is a doctor. With a pastor, is a pastor. You are, you are specifically designed and equipped, if you're in Christ, to tell people like you, who think like you, about Jesus. And this is the heart of God. The heart of God is that we would be involved in his fishing business. I want to take just a minute, and again, I might be belaboring this a little bit, but I want to show you this has always been the heart of God. It's always been the heart of God to reach people who are outside of Christ. And the way I'm going to do it is I'm going to pick one long book of the Old Testament and I'm going to share with you about, oh, let's see, six or seven passages that demonstrate this is the heart of God. Too often, the people of God, be they churches or just Christians or the the Jewish people in the Old Testament, Too often we drift into thinking this is all about me and it's all about what I want and it's not about people who are lost and broken. And so God echoes this into our hearts 
Let's just walk through. I'm just going to look briefly at, at, some, at some passages in Isaiah. And, and I'm, I'm diverting to this because I'm trying to make the point. This has always been the heart of God. This has never been an us for and no more kind of thing. It's always been spread the gospel with the world. Isaiah 40, verse number 5. Look at it with me. God says, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh, all flesh will get it, will see it together. It goes on in verse number nine. It says, lift up your voice, herald the good news, lift it up, lift it up. Say to people, behold your God. This is our call. This was the call of Israel and it still echoes forward for us today. Isaiah 42, 6 God says, I am the Lord. I've called you into righteousness. I will take you by the hand and I will keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. Going on, going on. Isaiah 45, 2. Turn to me, God says, and be saved to the ends of the earth. It's always been God's plan. Isaiah 49, he says, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob to bring back to preserve to Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations. Isaiah 56, make a joyful noise in my house of prayer. Burned offerings, sacrifices will be accepted for my house shall be called a house of prayer for who? All peoples. And my last one this morning, just to, to, I'm trying to pound this point in. It's this. I will send survivors to the nations. Now let's take just a minute and talk about this last one. The Tarshish, pool, lewd. That, those don't mean anything to you. Those are the enemies of Israel. These are the enemy, some of the enemy nations of Israel. They draw all the bow. They're at war with us to Tabul and Javna, to the coast far away that have not heard my fame or seen my glory and they shall declare my glory among the nations. We gotta let this settle under our hearts. Listen, the people that were around, the vast majority of them do not know Christ. They don't know Jesus. Don't tell yourself. Don't tell yourself they're moral people. Don't tell yourself they're nice people. Don't tell yourself that, you know, they would help little ladies across the street, so they must be a Christian. The vast majority of Americans are not saved through the finished work of Christ on the cross. The vast majority are not there are obituaries every single day in the Martinsburg Journal. As a follower of Christ, every single morning, you might think it's kind of weird, you might think it's a little dark, but every single morning I open up the journal and I read every single one of the obituaries every single morning. You know why? To remind me that people are dying every single day. And people who die outside of Christ are going to a Christless eternity in hell. If you believe in heaven, that's great. But Jesus uses the exact same words to describe heaven as he does hell. He says, take them into eternity where they will be with the Lord forever and uses the exact same word, eternity, to describe hell. If heaven is real, hell is real. 
Because Jesus used exact same words to describe the eternal nature, the reality of residence there. Folks, we got to come to grips with the fact that we are here and we know Christ. And the people that we are around who don't are destined for separation from him forever. It was 1995. My neighbor is dragging his trash can out to the road. He's very, very sick. I walked out to him. I said, sir, can I help you with your trash? In my heart, I wanted to share Christ with him. Can I help you with your trash, I said. Why do you want to help with my trash, he says. Well, it just, just looked like it was, it was hard for you to do. I, I can help you pull it down to the road. You think I can't pull it down the road? He jumps all over me. His hat falls off. See, he had lost all his hair. He had cancer. And there he is, not a hair on his head, in a weak state, cusses me out left and right. And in my heart, I thought, fine, buddy, I won't share the gospel with you. And take your trash can to the road. See ya. And I walked in my house. The next morning, we wake up. We look out the front window. There's several police cars sitting out in front of my house. You know what that man had done? That night, after our conversation, he went out in the woods and put a shotgun in his mouth and blew his head off. You know, that that haunts me today. It haunts me today. I made a decision. I haven't always followed through on it. But why should I hold? Why should I hold back? Why should I be in fear? Why not engage in what Jesus called me to do? I'm telling you, the Lord called me that day to share Christ with that man. And I let his anger scare me away. Now, don't misunderstand me. If he's in hell today, that's not because I didn't share Christ with him. But that doesn't change my disobedience. Fishers of men. My buddy said, you got to love the fish. I go out all the time. I get shot down all the time. He says, I strike out all the time. But I keep going back. I keep going back. You got to be patient, he said. You got to keep going back and be patient. Even if you don't catch anything, you come back the next day and try again. You try again because you're patient. Another thing he said is, I got to know the fish. He said, the reason why I can catch fish is because I know fish. He said, I know the way they swim. I know like they're behind those rocks. Underneath that log, there's a fish right there. I know fish. It's kind of funny. Got to know the fish, right? He said, I also know fishing. I know fishing. I know how to use a spinning reel. I know how to use a casting reel, a fly fishing reel. I know about artificial bait. I know about natural bait. I know how to handle slack in a line, how to tie knots, how to handle the drag, the drift, and everything else. I ran out of words there. You got to know fishing. You got to love the fish. You got to be patient. You got to know the fish. You got to know fishing. Now, you're not qualified to catch fish, but you are qualified today, if you're in Christ, to be a fisher of men. You got to want to do it. 
you got to be patient. Keep going back. You got to know people. You got to know them. Relationally, as Pastor Billy and Pastor Brent were pointing out, you got to know them. You got to know what makes people tick, right? You know what's going on in their heart. You got to know some of the mechanics, how to share Christ. You got to know some, I gave you some verses on your worship notes. There'll be great ones for you to memorize. Romans 3.23, the Romans road. Put those to memory. Just, just tell people those verses. Become fishers of men. If you can't figure it out, my heart really beats for this. Because it honestly changed my life. When I realized that maybe I missed the team. Maybe I missed the call. Maybe I, maybe I wasn't the upper echelon. But I can be a fisher of men. Now, how does it happen? Okay, go back to our passage now. So he says to them, follow me. See it in verse number 20, no, I'm sorry, verse number 19. And Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, immediately left their boats and they followed him. Now, let me just tell you, they go back to their boats, okay? They go back to their boats. In Luke chapter five, which comes after this, they're back in their boats again. So this is not a, okay, I'm going to burn the boat and become a follower of Jesus. This just means that they left him right there, and they went and they followed him. Let's read a little bit, because I want to catch something here. Immediately left their nets, and they followed him. And going a little further, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother. And the boat was Zebedee, their father, many of their nets. And he called them, follow me again. And immediately left their boat and their father, and, now say with me, followed him. Now it doesn't seem like much. Those last two words, oh, but this is really important. See that last followed him? That is a different Greek word than what Jesus uses in verse number 19. In verse number 19, Jesus says, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. You know what that word means? Basically it means, hey, come on, let's go this way. That's what the first one means, okay? Hey, come on, come on, we're gonna go this way. And they went. But the second one, The second one is a word packed full of meaning. They left their boat and they followed him. This is a word that means that they became, in the day, they would have called it his disciples. Okay? His disciples. And so this is an invitation for you and for me to follow Jesus in this way. I want to briefly tell you what this really means. Okay? What this word comes to mean is we, we're going to see it unfold through the gospel of Matthew. We're going to see it become alive as Jesus has followers. He has some that are, that are doing what I'm going to describe, and he has some that are just kind of walking behind him, okay? He's got some that are just kind of like, oh, where are we going, Jesus? You got free food? Okay, I'll go where you're going to go. And then he's got others who are his followers. Here's what it means. Four things. First of all, it means that they're going to be with him. They're going to be with him. In Mark chapter 3, verse number 13, Jesus says he called them that they might be with him. The first thing we've got to recognize about being a follower of Christ is it means being with Jesus. It means being with Now, I know you can't be with him in, in body. I realize that. But you can be with him in his words. And he can be with you in your struggle. So that's the first thing, being with him. The second thing is learning. Learning. 
This idea of observing and learning and learning what is life is about and what should make us tick and what God is like and what people are like. And thirdly, we're going to see it's observing what Jesus does. That he touches the leper. That he talks to the woman. That he picks up the child. That he loves people. But here is the real kicker. This is it. You want to be a follower of Christ? Not, not you know, run behind him looking for the, for the free fish and bread. No, 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 no. A follower. To be a follower of Christ means to emulate him. To be like him. Jesus said, when a disciple is fully mature, you know what they're going to be? Just like their teacher. See, what happens here in this passage is Jesus calls these men to become fishers of men, but they don't realize that he has a great plan in store for them, and that is to conform them to his image. And that's the last point I want to share with you today. Look what Jesus says in verse number 19. Follow me, he says, and what? I will make you fishers of men. Now notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, follow me and be fishers of men. Does it? Doesn't say that. My Bible doesn't say that. It doesn't say, follow me and work really hard to fish for men. Nope. Follow me and become a fisher of men. Nope. Follow Christ. And he will do what? He will make you, he says to these people, fishers of men. See, there's the truth of our Savior. This is not a self-improvement plan. This is not an idea of what you can do to go be a better boy and girl. This is not a recruitment effort. This is you and me. You and me. Becoming close to the Lord Jesus Christ through his word, through his spirit, through his people, through his church. And in time, what God does, what Jesus does, what the spirit does is conforms us to his image. And you allow him to work and before you know it, you're fishing for men. And it's a wonderful thing to happen. You're out there just living your life, just doing your thing, just going to Walmart or driving or working, and all of a sudden you find yourself fishing for men. You're like, whoa, where'd that come from? Where'd that come from? I didn't know that was in me. That's right. That's right. I love this passage of scripture. Look what it says. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord. So we see God, we see Jesus, we see the Spirit with all the goodness of, of, the, of the Trinity. They're there, their love, their mercy. And we are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. It's a step-by-step process. We're just climbing. We're just, just moving forward. And the Spirit is doing this. Where does it come from? It comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit.
You know what? That day in my driveway when I dropped the ball, because I did, I dropped the ball. But look what God did. See, in his grace, he had this little part of me that he had to chisel off. Had to chisel off this pride that didn't like to be spoken to harshly, right? This, this, this man that, that wasn't going to be violated with words, no way. Had to chisel that off. Why? To make me more like Christ. I'm not done. Neither are you. I'm hoping to have another, what, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years, right? Of Jesus chipping away. But the question is, are you open to him? His call is here. Are you open? Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the fact that Jesus Christ truly lived truly died, truly lives again. Lord, you have saved us for a reason, and that reason is to point people to you. Whether we are here, there, home, work, in spring mills, or not, our mission is to point to you. So, Lord, what I pray right now is that we would not operate in the strength of our own power, but that we would look to you and that we would allow you to mold us, to make us, to shift us, to transform us so that we could be fishers of men and followers of Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.